Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus. Janine is your CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors and our financial commander here on the podcast each and every time. And we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about, oh, you're going to be getting wise on today's show for sure. We're going to be talking about some financial proverbs, proverbs that teach us about money. And we're going to pull some really good financial lessons from some of these proverbs on today's show. You ready to strap on your wisdom hat today, Jenny? <laughs> That's what I pray for every day. <laughs> That's right. Give, give, wisdom give, and understanding. Give me wisdom and understanding. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll try and accomplish that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We've also got a great question from Martin coming up a little bit later on. Just a quick preview of that. Martin's not very happy. You know, he's got some money in annuity. He wants to move to a different annuity. So we're going to answer a question about what's going on there in Martin's situation a little bit later on. But first, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. So, Janine, in the news recently, several tech companies have gone public this year, or they will be in coming months. Just to name a few, there's Uber and Lyft. Those are the the ride-sharing apps. Peloton, that's the bicycle thing, right? The stationary bicycle. All right, you're a big biker, right? Are, are you interested yeah. in, in the Peloton thing? Have you done that before? Yeah, I haven't done Peloton, but okay. I mean, it's a really good stationary cycle right? for like spin class. And the so cool thing is it. you do spin class like remotely. Right, maybe. right. Which I had to, I, uh, we have a guy that we, we go to his spin class usually Wednesday mornings because he is that good. He's worth, I mean, uh, <laughs> if you want to learn how to really do this to train, he's, the one we call him the spin doctor and i asked him about the peloton i go yeah it's really nice except i don't want some 20 year old yelling at me about how to do this <laughs> so, oh that's too funny i know how to do this <laughs> well i know you, you do orange theory like i do right we're both orange theory you know crazies at this point i don't know what do we call ourselves orange theory orange the- theoryites or something i don't know yeah but uh yeah. but you know the instructor makes a big difference um, yeah and I, I like all the instructors at our gym but so you know me, kind of nerdy, and I actually have, I'll have to share this with you at some point, I have a spreadsheet of every workout I've done at Orange Theory, because for those who don't know, you wear a wristband and it tracks calories burned, average heart rate, you know, all this different stuff, and then I kind of created my own little algorithm that gives it a power score for each workout by kind of combining all the different elements so that it kind of, you know, balances things out to see okay, how good of a workout was today's workout, if that makes sense. That's pretty great. I mean, you're not looking at your splat points? Yeah, well, I look at the splat points too, but that's what I'm saying. It takes the points, like you know, oh, okay. how much, how much you're in the orange zone, but combines it with the calories, how many miles you ran. It takes in all that stuff, and I create a power score, and then that's how I rank the workout. 
Anyway, oh, very good. And don't say yeah, I have too much got, free time. Technical. I just don't say, don't say I have too much free time on my hands. It's just you know I like to be organized. That's all. But it's really cool to look at that. And now I have no idea where I'm going with the story. I just got it all talking oh, about. Oh, so uh, yeah, just companies that have gone IPO. There we go. That's right. So I don't know, but Orange Theory kept the track of all the stuff. And oh, we we're talking about coaches, and so it's really interesting. I can see the coaches that I burn the most calories and that I have the highest scores with. Now that I've gathered all the data, you can tell, and, and it's and it and it aligns exactly with just what I was thinking. My feeling was, I was like, I always feel like I get a better workout with so and so, and sure enough, the data shows just how I was feeling. It, it corresponds to that, and the you know the one that I'm like, man, I just never feel like I get a great workout with that one, and it shows. That's you look at the stats. That's you really you, but you're right. A good coach matters. Yep. Matters a lot. And Peloton, yeah, you've got a lot of you've got a variety of choices. For coaching or spin classes yeah and intensity yep exactly and, uh, all right there's a lot that was a long tangent but anyway uber <laughs> lyft peloton pinterest zoom you know all these companies going public so i'm just curious looking at what's kind of been happening in the news with all these well-known companies going public do you ever recommend that people invest in ipos in any way shape or form generally no because we don't have enough data on the company and most of the portfolio management that we do does not invest in IPOs until we have at least a two years worth of data, because there's a lot that's not known. And you're looking at several factors for how the company can be successful, continue momentum, continue profitability. And the, one of the reasons is if you look at Facebook and Amazon, which are two of these monster companies, tech companies, they're not really profitable. They just have very high revenue. So there's a different metric to judge them with. So now they're being included because we have data, but you're starting to see that there's a, adjustments made to algorithms to handle some of this new information. But generally, I don't, unless you're working in the company and you've got company stock, you're the ones that's really, you're, that are going to benefit from that. But otherwise, you're gambling because you don't know when these people are going to be allowed to sell their stock, what their stock options contracts say, et cetera. So you're betting that when the stock price settles out, that it's going to go up. That's what most people are betting. Oh, it's going to go up because it's a great company. Well, that worked for Under Armour for a while, and then it didn't. So, so yeah, generally speaking, we don't recommend people buy IPOs until you've got a little more data. It just kind of goes against the grain of the whole retirement planning and you know goal of what you're trying to do. Exactly right. You want some more stability or, or realistic expectations for returns because you're not trying to knock it out of the park. If that's your expectation, you're headed for disaster because you're going to bet on something. It might work, but the possibility of it working exactly like you think it's going to work is really slim. So you're putting at risk a lot of your money that you can't afford to do that with when you're getting close to or in retirement. Good points all around, Janine, and certainly that makes a lot of sense. So there you go, a little, little bit of the skinny on IPOs and such. Don't bank on them. Uh, not going to be the you know best option for a lot of people. That's good to keep in mind. We have lots to get to on today's podcast, so let's roll right into the next thing, and that's to get a little wiser on today's show, Janine. These uh, proverbs and what they teach us about money. And what's interesting is there obviously are plenty of proverbs and axioms, if you will, that aren't meant to be about money, but we thought it'd be fun to take some that aren't meant to be about money and 
pull financial lessons from them anyway. That way you're getting something a little bit different, something that's not necessarily going to be the same old, same old when it comes to financial sayings. So we'll show you the hidden meaning that's behind many of these more popular sayings that are from the non-financial realm. Certainly you've heard this one before, Janine. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. How do you relate that to the financial world? Well, the idea is that of the proverb, everyone I think can understand it's best to focus on what you already have than instead of worrying about what you're trying to get two more, you're trying to get two more right? <laughs> or two, however many more. When it comes to financials or investments, that can be detrimental to your portfolio because you're always worried about the next big return. I need this return. I need that return. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm not satisfied for where I am here and I need to maximize return. Well, you cannot maximize return without some accompanying risk. So the question then is, what's the risk you're taking? And are you taking risks for which you're not compensated? And if you're going to gamble, there is a big risk there. And I usually tell people, you know, with a smile on my face, I only want to work with the money you want to keep. Hmm. Yeah. So, and that doesn't mean you can't take risk. But the question is how much, what does it look like? You know, do you understand standard deviation? I always explain that as what kind of a roller coaster do you want to be on? If you cannot stomach a 10 or 15 or 20% drop in any given year, then you really need a conversation about risk. And the bird in the hand means I have a portfolio that works. And yes, I'm not getting the last drop of juice at the top, but I'm also not getting crushed at the bottom. Really good so points, have, yes. You know, I have to stay somewhere in the middle, up and down, up and down. I'm on the kitty co- roller coaster because that matters a lot. Really relates right back to the IPO conversation. That one kind of goes hand in hand. That's a good example of a bird in the hand worth two in the bush. You know, why do you want to take the risk of diving after those two birds, of diving after that IPO when you've already got retirement savings, you know, that are going to sustain you in your hands, which ends up being the case for a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. You're already in good shape. Why are you jumping, taking risks and jumping out for more? Another saying that we can extract some financial sense out of is uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So everyone is a genius and the market's going up. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're all Warren Buffett's at that point. Yeah, right? we're all Warren Buffett's. And, you know, my portfolio or my fund that I picked is doing really, really well. Well, I always ask, well, what is in your fund? Do you know? And how much control do you have over what's going on in the fund? Probably very minimal, if, you know, if any. But, you know, so the market goes up, the market goes down, rinse, lather, repeat kind of a thing. You're probably not going to outsmart the system and make money when everyone else is losing unless you are hedging. And that has its own inherent risks. Most people are not willing to stay glued to a computer to do puts and calls and straddles on their money, which is what trading does. But yes, a rising tide lifts all boats. That also means if the economy is doing well, if your job position is doing well, if you take the regulations off of companies to allow them to grow and reinvest the money and create more jobs, then the economy as a whole is going to be lifted and you are going to be lifted in terms of your standard of living. So that matters a lot. So when you start to talk about the market, you also have to talk about your standard of living and your expected lifestyle. You know, you make sure that you're in concert with what's really happening and not trying to overreach. Right. Where you're trying to go. 
Makes sense. I like that one. A rising tide lifts all boats. Easy application there. This one certainly does have actually a financial connection to it. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And that's a great one because we saw what happened in 2008. Most people got burned pretty significantly because they were all on one side of the market. They were all in funds that looked like the S&P 5. Now, nearly every asset class except two took a dive in 2008. And if you had a balanced portfolio, instead of being down 40%, you were probably only down uh, 18 to 20%. Which is significant because that's right. a you know a less deep hole. <laughs> and and Janine, just so that we're you said all but two asset classes went down. So how mm-hmm. how many did go down? What what is the what's the I context would, there? Yeah, I think you had about twelve asset classes that were negative. Okay. So, you know, emerging markets, large cap, small cap, mid cap, U.S. and international really took a dive, and that's because of the contagion that was in the market, among other things. But that created the whole downfall, if you will. But putting your all, all your eggs in one basket, which a lot of people don't, a lot of people do not realize that they have the same thing three or four times because the fund has a different name, right? But it still has the same asset class type stock, so large U.S. Right. So, and that when I when I analyze portfolios, that's what a lot of people do because they don't know what else is available. Right. They don't know how to really do an allocation properly. I, I, I have Apple stock and six mutual funds. Well, did you know that Apple is in all six of your mutual funds? So <laughs> exactly. you really own it kind of seven different times. So if they exactly. crash, it's going to affect all of those investments. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense as well. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I also, with that one, think, Janine, a lot about people who invest a lot in their own company stock and I'm sure you've seen this many times before where somebody will come in and they've got like all of their portfolio is in their company's stock. And so not only is your job on the line with that company, but so is your your life savings as well. That's a huge one. A lot of people still make that mistake even after we've been through Enron, Fannie Mae, several other companies where the stock takes a dive. So not only are you working for the company and you think it's wonderful, but a reminder, you're not sitting in the boardroom and you're not trying to make the earnings expectations of investors. So if those are not met, the stock price takes a dive. If you're not in the decision-making capacity of that company, you have no idea what you're buying, even if it's a good company. And so here you're working for this company, you may have may have a pension. Those are far and free between these days. But if your pension is with that company and now you've got this company stock, you really are overweighted. To that company, the the best example I have for that is um, a friend of mine. You know, n- knows a woman that worked for Fannie Mae, sixty five years old, getting ready to retire, two million dollars in Fannie Mae stock, and Fannie Mae took a dive. So her two million went to about twenty thousand. That is where some people jump off the cliff. Oh my gosh! Um, yes. Yeah, her entire retirement was gone. Wow. And so you need diversification. I believe it's, um, I mean, John Bogle said it, you know, he's the founder of Vanguard, um, Harry Markowitz, all these guys. Diversification is your buddy. You need to make sure that you are properly diversified. Yep. Very true. Very true. One more for you here. One man's trash, another man's treasure. Well, just because somebody's, <laughs> that actually happens a lot. And it usually comes with stock tips. Hey. You got to buy this company. (laughs) 
may not make sense. I mean, your situation is unique. And even though there are similarities to what can be done across the board to, you know, all 65 year olds, let's say, everybody's situation is different. Your expectations are different. Your lifestyle expectation is different. Just because somebody is recommending something that they do to you doesn't mean you should do it because it's probably not a good fit. Lots of generalizations go on. What would be market. a good example of that? Is there a particular product that kind of fits the bill here or a strategy that is a good example of what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another? Because well, I think so the layperson would think, okay, uh, if the stock is going to go up, then it's a good investment for everybody. I mean, why, why? I don't understand. How is it that one man's trash? How does it affect us differently? A lot of people assume a stock is going to go up. It's really interesting. Very few people assume a stock is going to go down. It's just a natural, it's how we're, I think that's how we're hardwired. We just assume everything's going up. Sure. We all may be cynical, <laughs> but on our own situations, we're very kind of positive and, you know, optimistic it, about things. Exactly. And so when somebody's giving you stock tips or fun tips or other things like that, you really have to stop because your life is not their life. That person could have a pension. That person could have other things in their you know, basket of investments, et cetera, that you don't have. And you might be taking care of an elderly parent or you, you have a, a boomerang kid. I mean, there are situations that affect how you make your money decisions. They're different from somebody else. So you should never try to Never get sucked into, because that's usually what happens. Somebody gets sucked into someone else's enthusiasm about the decision. You really have to ha steal yourself and figure out what is right for you. And so the title's a little misleading, One Man's Trash is Another Man's Treasure. It just means that what you think is really important, the other person may dismiss or vice versa. But it's really important to figure out what is important to you. Right. What about like uh, maybe a good example, uh, an annuity works for okay. one person, doesn't work for another? Yeah, great. I, I was actually thinking about going there. If you have a pension, you may not need an annuity. But for someone who may have money outside and is really worried about creating a pension floor for themselves, an annuity could work. But you really need to run the numbers. You need to understand what the product is because there are many, 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 many annuity products and they tend to do different things. So what is the right strategy for your circumstance? Good Just example. because, and I actually did have a client at one time say, well, he got, you know, my attorney got an annuity and, and why, why haven't you recommended an annuity? <laughs> now to I want one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I want one. And so when I talked to the attorney, it was very interesting. He admitted, I don't know anything about the market. So, so he put his money in an annuity. Hmm. Now it worked for him. It didn't make sense for her. Gotcha. Great example. She, you know, she had a pension. She had ample cash reserves. She had, you know, some monies invested. And she also had very limited, I think, sophistication work where market is concerned. And so it didn't make sense. I feel like work. this proverb, too, in the financial world, we would preferably flip it around. Right, because in life, sure, one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's a pretty good lesson to take away. But it kind of rarely works that way in the financial world. It's almost more often the other direction, right? Another man's treasure is someone else's trash, or I don't know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it flows the other the other direction. Yeah, exactly. It really does, and you really do have to look at the consequences of the money decision. 
for the circumstances you are living under. Yep. Well, since you, uh, you know, pray for wisdom and knowledge every day, are there any other sayings from which you've maybe personally garnered some great financial lesson? Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, well, I, I don't know if this is a biblical proverb, but, you know, a fool and his money shall soon be parted. <laughs> right. Yes. There you go. There is a lot of that. <laughs> No explanation needed on that one. We can just <laughs> we can just leave it at that. Well, if you found this entertaining, if you want to meet with Janine and talk a little bit more about your situation, and you know, we don't have to talk in proverbs, of course, but they are fun to you know learn some lessons from now and again. But if you really want to talk about your situation, your plan, where you are in life, make sure that you're not you know falling into some of these you know traps if you will where you kind of you're in that rising tide lifts all boats kind of mentality where you're starting to feel a little invincible because of how good the market's been or maybe it is you know you're hearing about oh all these great investments that your your brother-in-law is in and you should do them too you know if you want to really look and see is it right for me should we follow that same path or should we forge our own path janine can kind of look through your situation and your plan and uh, help you determine what's the best course of action to take if you want to set up a time to visit you can do that online theuswealthadvisors.com that's theuswealthadvisors.com and you can also call directly at 443-718-6311 talk to gracie she'll get you all set up to meet with janine 443-718-6311 there you go what proverbs teach us about money here on your financial mission well now it's time before we wrap up for the week to answer one of your questions it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you all right janine this one comes to us from martin martin says i have money in an annuity so good segue from our last conversation and I'm not very happy with it, and I want to move to a different annuity. But I'm told there will be a big penalty if I take it out of the current one. What's this all about? It's called the surrender charge. So every sad, annuity sad violin. Exactly. And every annuity, depending on the annuity, has a surrender charge. There's a reason for that, depending on who you listen to out in the media, the financial media. They're somewhat negative about it, but part of it is also that an annuity company is an insurance company, and usually folks will buy an annuity for the guarantee. So it's really important to understand what you bought. If you're not happy with the annuity, I need to know why. What is it not doing that you expected it to do? If you bought a fixed annuity, it probably isn't supposed to earn very much money. If you bought an indexed annuity, you know, it's indexed it's pegged to an index or two or three. So how is it supposed to work? It's a, a variable annuity is in the market, but the guarantees of the company are what you've actually purchased. And because of those guarantees, they expect the money to stay there for a while, which is why they have a penalty. Because if you leave, then you know they can't guarantee anything because you're taking the money. They also paid a commission to the advisor, which is neither really neither here nor there. It's just how insurance works. So the question is, what is it that you're not happy about? Because when you bought the annuity, that was a discussion that should have happened. What is the annuity for? Most people are purchasing an annuity to create a, a ground floor of income at some point in time or to ladder like bonds because annuities typically will make more than bonds. 
in this environment for bonds, you know, and then it's an adjunct to an equity portfolio. But if you're not happy, it's really important to ferret out why. Right. Yeah. Annuities should be pretty predictable unless it's a variable annuity. So if it's not a variable annuity, then really the problem may have been on the education about what you're getting into on the front end. Whereas if it's a variable annuity and you're not happy with its fluctuations and those kinds of things, well, variables in the name. And that also comes around with the territory, right? Exactly. And a guarantee with a variable annuity might be that they will, whatever the high watermark is, that's your new, what they call a book value from which the income is calculated. But you really have to understand what these moving parts are you know, in the annuity. So, you know, I mean, once you understand it, then you just leave it and let it do its thing. Yeah, yes, there can be a penalty because the surrender charge is usually you know, if you have a 10-year surrender period, you might have an 8% surrender charge or a 10% surrender charge in the first couple of years. And then they gradually go down by a percent or two mm-hmm. until you have no, you know, at the 10th, 8th, 9th, 10th year, you have no surrender charge. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in that question. It's, it's mm-hmm. a question about, you know, taking the penalty. Is it worth to take the penalty or not in your situation? But even before you get to answering that question, you know, really, truly evaluating, you're not happy with it and answering, like you said, the why question of, and will a different annuity actually do anything? Exactly. Um, exactly. Because, you know, I hate to say this, but the industry, it's, you know, as at large, there are advisors and then there are, there are advisors who use annuities as part of the planning process. And then there are just annuity salespeople. So you need to understand if you move from this annuity to another annuity, how, how do you know you're not moving to the same thing? Yeah. I don't want to get too technical here, Janine, but it seems like maybe there's even a small concern here. Now, I don't know if Martin's just evaluating this on his own, but if he's maybe talking to someone who's suggesting this different annuity, there might even be concerns of, is the term churning here, where it's illegal, right? Advisors aren't supposed to to do that, where you kind of, there has to really be a motivating reason for you to move from one annuity to another. You can't just churn people to new annuities, right? That's right. That's exactly right. You know, technically supervisors um, should be looking at that, whether it's a valid reason to move. It's not like trading a stock in for a new stock. Uh, It's a totally different (laughs) animal, right? That's right. And I have seen this done where folks will have an annuity for three years and they they get, you know, they're, they're moved to another annuity because, oh, this one's better. It's got this, these little bells and whistles. But now you're you're suffering a seven percent surrender charge, and then you're in that annuity for a little while, and then it happens again. Well, that is a commission play for the salesperson. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help you at all. In where, fact, where, where I'm from, Janine, we say that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> oh man, and that ain't right. <laughs> So, so a lot of red flags in this question, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot. I mean, there's more information that would be needed to help him kind of figure out what exactly he should be doing. Right. You know, and, you know, maybe this annuity is just fine. Yeah. He just doesn't understand it. Yeah. Or maybe, Martin, you don't actually uh, will pay. You won't actually pay a penalty on it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you're in a situation you, your your friend who told you about that. Maybe they, you know, had to worry about it because, 
um, you know, their situation. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about again a little bit earlier with that uh, one of those proverbs where one man's trash is another man's treasure. Your situations are different. So, yeah, maybe someone else had to pay a penalty because their situation was different. They were only a year into an annuity and had to, you know, were told, hey, you're going to have this big penalty. So he told you that. Well, maybe you're past the surrender charge or it won't be a big deal. It's possible. Yeah, exactly right. There are a lot of moving parts and you really need to check out what it is you have and how it works and then whether it makes sense to trade to something else. If somebody's got an annuity, Janine, is that something you can break down for folks and kind of walk them through an annuity and see how it fits into their plan? Yeah. I mean, we have an annuity analyzer. We have back office that helps us do a lot of evaluation and analysis so that we can help people figure out, okay, I need to keep this. Let me just keep it <laughs> because this is how it works. And then then I understand how it works and when I should take the income. Or if there's a way to do something better, then we have we try to provide options. Yeah. So, you know, it's like one from column A, two from column B. Right. <laughs> so let's right. figure this out. I've learned from you, you, you never really buy an annuity as if you're buying something on Amazon, like a, a standalone, hey, let's get this annuity today. It's, yeah, exactly. it's part of the overall plan. It's not, it's not an a la carte kind of thing or shouldn't be an a la carte kind of investment. It really needs to be part of the overall plan. It should be. Right. It should be because it's really easy because it's not what people do. It's not how they normally think. And so they'll, it's easy to forget why you bought it in the first place and how it fits into the overall plan. Yep. All good points. If you want to get an annuity analyzed, maybe you've got one or you're considering one or you've been pitched one by another advisor or maybe maybe advisor is too kind of a term. Maybe it was just an annuity salesman. I don't know. I feel like that's a bad insult to throw somebody's way, but you know, it could be the case. They're all over the place. And so you do have to be wary of that. This again is not to say all annuities are certainly bad. It's just, Mm -hmm. is it a fit for your situation? And if you're not sure, if you haven't been educated to the point where you feel comfortable saying yes to that question, yeah, this fits into my situation and I understand the investment. You don't have to understand the, you know, every single, you know, piece of vocabulary and moving part about it, but do you understand how it's working in your, in your plan? what the issues are with that product. You should. You should understand all of that from your advisor. So if you don't, reach out to Janine. She'll give you a review of, of what's going on there. Take a look at that you know, issue for you and help you maybe walk through potentially making it part of a bigger financial plan. You can do that on theuswealthadvisors.com. That's theuswealthadvisors.com or click the description in today's episode. You can also call 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. One, one. Fun. Whoa, that was scary. It's <laughs> like the timing of that was awesome. I think that was my alarm system. <laughs> hey, I think we're, we're just going to leave that in the podcast. We're not going to edit that out. There you go. That's like our ending chime right there. Who, who is that in the background? <laughs> That's jelly. 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 <laughs> well, jelly sounds like uh, jelly needs some attention. So how about we, uh, we wrap things up there? <laughs> all right. Sounds good. It's been great talking with you, Walter. Great chat with you as well. Go make sure Jelly's all right. Uh, for Janine Theus, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll look forward to talking to you. Maybe we'll bring Jelly on as a guest in the next uh, podcast as well. <laughs> this has been your financial mission. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.